0: Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the happy scientist podcast each episode is designed to make you more focused more productive and more satisfied in the lab you can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist your hosts are kenneth vote founder of the executive coaching firm vera claritas and dr nick oswald phd bioscientist and founder bite size bio
1: Hello and welcome to the Happy Scientist podcast from Bite Size Bio. If you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist, you are in the right place. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com and with me, it's the driving force of this podcast, Mr. Kenneth Vogt. I've worked with Kenneth for over seven years now with him as my business mentor and colleague and I knew that his expertise could help a lot of researchers, which is why we are both here today doing this podcast for you. In these sessions we'll hear mostly from Ken on principles that will help shape you for a happier and more successful career. Along the way I'll pitch in with points from my personal experience as a scientist and from working with Ken. Today we will be talking about the challenge in differentiating between science and scientific opinion, a topic that I think is very important. If you find this useful, this um, episode useful, you might want to go back and look at episodes one to nine of the podcast, in which we talk about the foundational principles of human needs, core mindsets, and charisma factors, which we'll be referring to in this and all future episodes. So let's go and bring in the man himself. Kenneth, how are you today?
2: Doing great, Nick. How are you? You know, it's it's interesting. This topic came up because Nick and I were just having a conversation and the, the more he kept riffing on this topic, the more I thought, everybody needs to hear this. We need to be having this, this discussion in public. <laughs> and it, it's an interesting problem that is being faced, especially in the current crisis situations. People look to you as a scientist and like, surely you have the answers. And... You want to have the answers, <laughs> but often what, you're, what you have to offer isn't, you know, two plus two equals four, a hard fact. It's, it's an educated opinion and, you know, a scientific opinion, but it's still an opinion and it's still, it's still a work in progress. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how that may put you under a certain kind of pressure, how you can get out from under that pressure. How you can make sure that, that you're putting out the best science out into the world without steering people wrong and how you can keep people open to hearing the evolution of knowledge as it it comes along. Because as we've, we've seen during this, this COVID thing, there, there's so much that, that is, that is, we're learning day after day. So every day we have to look at and say, Hey, do we still believe the same things we believed yesterday because sometimes the answer is no and you want to and you want to get that clear and it's really easy for people to say well first you said this and then you said that and you're just flip-flopping all over the place and and how can we trust you well I want to I want to dig into how to make sure that you can be trustworthy and people will perceive you as trustworthy even though you are sometimes changing your position on things because the facts require it. So um, first, I'd like to act, ask a specific question of you, Nick. How would you differentiate between science and scientific opinion?
1: Okay, so the way that I see it, and again, this is this is uh, just an epiphany of mine. Um, it, it kind of so so it may or may not apply to people. It depends on how you see things. Uh, for me, I see that this kind of relates to the question that we talked about, and I think it was the last episode. Uh, where we were talking about asking questions rather than going for results so the natural human tendency is to go for so you know go for solid facts you know look for solid ground so as as a scientist it's really easy to get pathed into going after results and uh instead of just doing your job which is asking questions and it's the same here we're looking for um solidity if that's a word where it doesn't it doesn't exist. So, uh, what science is is you know if you if you go right back to the beginning, you've got a, a a world, a universe in front of you, and it's about exploring that universe, that world by asking questions. And then when you get an answer to a question, it doesn't tell you the answer. What it does is it get, shows you where the next question is. And as soon as you assume yes. that you as as soon as soon as you you think you know what you know the first question the first answer gives you as soon as you think that 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 is then the truth then you may as well either stop doing more science or you 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 the, at the very least you kind of um you path yourself you start pathing yourself into expecting an answer and then we're back to expecting a result and looking for results and so this 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 whole thing about being a scientist your job is to ask questions it also means that being a scientist you accept the fact that where we are now is not the absolute truth. It's always the science is is an evolution, as, as you mentioned earlier, Ken. It just keeps trucking along. There are lots of scientists in, in any given given field who are coming up with different answers to different questions they've asked. And the truth is a kind of nebulous thing, that, not nebulous kind of frontier that just moves forward all the time. Question after question after question after question, and that's the way that I would see it. Rather than answer after answer after answer, that's not giving you the solidity you want because any of those answers could actually be wrong. And you have to be you have to be open to asking another question to verify that uh that answer. And you also have to be open to the fact that it might not be correct and then you might have to change course or change your opinion. And so when someone talks about a scientific when some, someone talks about scientific opinion that is a, po- a, at a point in time a scientist with a specific perspective that is that they are they have expertise in a given area they've read this these papers they've read they have these xyz personal biases and so on and this is their opinion on what the answer to the next question will be and that that is a it's a useful thing to know because they're the ones that are most likely to be able to look over the edge and say, well, it's most likely to be that, but it doesn't mean it's the truth. It means it's, it's an opinion, a a perspective based opinion. And that's why when you ask us, when you ask, when you look at scientific opinion, there is no matter what the topic, there is always a spectrum and each, each part of that spectrum of opinion is important because they all represent a possible, The possible next generation of evolution, and uh, there are there are lots of examples of where science has been pathed, and uh, and then realised we've gone down the wrong path, you know, and and it can be because people have been stuck on that, uh, you know, that they anticipate they thought they were standing in truth when they weren't. Then it's a painful scenario and expensive sometimes to go in the other direction
2: so you you bring up something interesting there there are times when you can state with certainty that something is true and then there and then there are other times where you can't say it with certainty but you can say it with probability and then there are the times when we don't really don't know but my educated guess is this so how do we differentiate then how do we how do we make sure we're getting clear to people that look I'm saying two plus two equals four. That's not gonna change. That's how it is. I'm I'm saying this is what I know because this is an area of expertise for me and this is this is what I know. Or I'm saying it would based on what's happened so far, what I think's gonna happen next is this, but we still have to find out. And you know, how do we how do we go about getting that across in that way, making sure we're understood is the is the question. And um I, I I can put that to you, Nick. I don't know if it's a fair thing to ask you, but if you have an answer, I'm, I'm willing to hear it.
1: Yeah, okay. I'll try my best. It's it's not an easy question to answer, but I would just say in terms of how, the general sort of stuff we're talking about here in this podcast is how can you sit in peace as a scientist? How can you uh, operate from a pristine position so that you're not being dragged down the... down you know drag down the, the pathways that human nature tends to want to drag a scientist and so the question here then is when you are asked for asked for a scientific opinion or even when you listen to a scientific opinion we you know I, I think it's what you framed out there was really good there that, that there are there are different levels of opinion you know some some things are just hard fact two plus two equals four but I would argue that you, no matter how unlikely you think it is that two plus two won't equal four, you've got to re- maintain a small degree of doubt that that is the truth, <laughs> right? Regardless <laughs> okay. of how much of a, as a scientist, you've just always got to be have that little bit of flexibility um, mm-hmm. to be, and that's an extreme, obviously. But it should could there are things that that will feel to you like it's two plus two equals four, um, wh- when it isn't. That's just ended up being an illusion, and uh, mm-hmm. and unless you're flexible, then it won't be. Um, you won't be able to uh, it'll be more difficult for you to see it um, right through to you know the well this is my opinion and um, you know my considered opinion and uh, it's not necessarily truth it's just one of the possible uh, interpretations and I think that all of those are absolutely valid of course they are and they all have um, you know giving your opinion is, uh, is an important thing you know that could be a relative asking you something and you have as with as someone with a scientific training you have a different level of perspective that uh that they don't have and so your your perspective counts even though it's not necessarily true it's still just a perspective and i i think that the key is having some humility and and some kind of self-discipline in in keeping yourself aware that you don't know well not that you don't know that what that you're saying, what you're saying, might not be true, and and try and get a gauge. It doesn't in a in a way it doesn't actually matter how. Or does it? Yeah, that's an interesting one.
2: <laughs> well, uh, I'll I will I'll I will take that question on there for you. This becomes a matter of communication, and making sure that you're understood. And I will we'll definitely be talking about communication in other episodes, but just as a just a quick little thing to add into this, you gotta differentiate between what I said and what they heard and then what they understood. You know, you, first you have a thought in mind and then you say something and then they hear something and then they translate that in their head, you know, based on whatever else they know or and they get somewhere. And you as the communicator have to take responsibility for that final step which is tough because it's two steps away from you. you. You know, it wasn't even, it's not just what they heard because you can say, well, I said it right. Yes, but you can tell when somebody is not receiving what you're saying and you gotta keep making the effort to make it known. And, and you commented on something earlier too, and this is just a way that we communicate the things that are not certain, that, that are our opinion or are, you know, have a certain amount of probability we have to speak in such a way where we're saying, well, in my opinion, or it seems to me, or it seems likely that we gotta, we've got to, we've got to couch it in some, some way that somebody can realize how, how hard does, does this, this fact look and, and to that, to the scientists, are they saying this is absolutely certain or are they saying this is a probability? Are they saying it's only a possibility? You know what are they saying, and we got to take responsibility for them hearing it properly.
1: And yeah, I think Ken, that if you take it
2: right back
1: to uh, you know to, to basic principles, and actually what this podcast is about, which is being a happier and more relaxed, more productive scientist, I think it's it's worth noting that what this the one of the one of the things that looking at the difference between scientific opinion and what science actually says is that it's, a, it's quite freeing for you as a scientist. I think as a scientist, as scientists, we're under pressure in some ways, either from ourselves or from uh, people around us or uh, or whatever it is, but we're under pressure to, to know what the facts are. We feel I, I've certainly felt that. I'm under pressure to know what the truth is. And I can never have that. All I can have is my scientific opinion my own scientific opinion based on my what I've read, what I've looked up, what my expertise is, what my personal biases are, what my personal blind spots are. That's going to be the same for all of us. And so it's a bit like that question of stepping back from getting results and just asking questions. The yeah. the, the idea that you can step back and say, okay, what I'm saying is not necessarily fact. It's my best, best guess my but it's not it's better than a guess It's my best opinion based on what I know, and what I feel here.
2: So right. And and I, 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 it's I'm reminded of something that that uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci said somewhere a couple of months ago, where he said, I'm an epidemiologist, I'm not a politician. I'm not saying what's the right thing to do from a governmental standpoint, I'm saying, as an epidemiologist, this is my opinion. And, you know, at that level, obviously, we expect the highest level of of data out of somebody at that uh, that pinnacle, <laughs> and yet he was saying, "I can't give you the final answer because that's not not even my job." <laughs> so it, it's important that that we recognize that when we're talking too that what we're saying about something is, you know, we're we're offering a perspective. Yeah.
1: And, and the important thing, again, from the context of this, this podcast, is that what this is all about is allowing you to sit back and take the pressure off yourself, you know, the right. negative pressure, the, the, the unhelpful pressure off you, That you know, you need some pressure. Take the unhelpful pressure off yourself and just be a scientist. What does that mean? As a scientist, you're a person who asks questions and when required gives their opinion based on what they know. It's not a question whose job... That's a, completely different from someone whose job... To get results, and should know the truth. As in, right. if you say something and it's wrong, then that's you know a really bad thing. It, it it's not. It, it, you in fact, as lo- What would be a you know the the worst position to take would be to someone where if you believe what you said was correct, and to such an extent that you were inflexible when you were presented with other data that that that, um, that uh, suggested that there were that your answer was incorrect
2: and there was another truth. So uh, there's a couple of scenarios I can, can imagine that a scientist might find themselves in that would give them either the opportunity for satisfaction or stress um, and listen to these scenarios and then we'll talk about them individually but um, anybody who's listening you can figure out which of these are you and you, they may all apply to you at certain times. So for instance, one scenario would be, I really know what I'm talking about and I'm hearing a lot of wrong information out there in the world and I want to fix that, I wanna help. Another scenario is people are scrambling and they come to me begging for answers that I only have fuzzy answers to. I mean, I know better than them perhaps, but I can't say definitively that you know it's black and white and I'm not sure what to do with that. And I don't, wanna, I don't wanna steer people wrong. Or I don't wanna be held accountable for offering an opinion that is changeable and then it, then it becomes time to change it and now nobody will let me change my opinion. It's like, There's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm a flip-flopper because I changed my position. You know, and I don't wanna be in that position. So I don't even wanna talk about this stuff now. Or <laughs> here's another scenario. I'm a scientist, so people think they, they hear that word generically and they think I'm an expert on everything when I'm only an expert on this stuff over here, you know, and yet they expect me to be an expert on that stuff over there. Okay, so let's let's look at those scenarios. What do you do in a situation where you really feel like there's wrong information out there and you want to correct the record? What How do you approach that?
1: I think that you really need to stand up. Um, you need to... Uh that that's that is your position for advocacy if you you know this stuff about the you know covid has been such a case study in this for me um you know the stuff that came out about that it's 5g and stuff like it's come. you know that's <laughs> yes. okay as i said you know the rule of thumb you must maintain some doubt you've got to you know even as if it's zero point zero 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 point one percent of doubt just enough there so that if something else came in then you could uh some other evidence came in then you could you could you could, you could uh, assimilate that, but I think we can be fairly certain that it was nothing to do with with five five G masts, and yes. and so in that case, you know that's a, just a really obvious example where you say, well, this is just completely incorrect, and and here's why, and you know you can stand up, or but again, you can I mean, how would you couch that? You, you have to say you still have to say this is in in my. Considered opinion as a scientist, this is what it looks like. Um, you know, this is complete nonsense. <laughs> and right. yeah, so and, and yeah. in that in that case, it's really important to stand up because a basic knowledge about how diseases are spread and how viruses work, and um, even if you don't, I've got no clue how a five G mask works really. So, um, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it has nothing to do with uh, the ability to uh, to um, to transmit viruses. <laughs>
2: Sure, you know. Obviously, we're not we're not going to take any political positions on anything here. That's not the purpose of this. We want, in fact, we want you f- to be free to be on opposite sides of this. You know, if if you have that, if you've got a basis for your what you think is accurate, by all means, speak it so that people can hear it.
1: So, so if I'm going to say talk about that, I say, uh, in my in my opinion, there's very very low likelihood that 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 is true. The five G thing is true, but. As a scientist, I must remain uh, remain open to the the possibility, even though I'm you know it's not one that I would um, place high on the priority list priority list for investigation. And, but I I think it's just worth putting a little uh, caveat, and it's not a caveat, but a little aside here is that even me talking about this kind of idea of the difference between scientific opinion and science, I I think some people think they're the same thing. I'm just offering a perspective my perspective that they're different and how that can be a more freeing thing for people Uh, and it might be an important distinction you're completely free to disagree with me and and you know that's just the way it is and until i got comfortable with the fact that i it's okay for me to give an opinion my bet you know on my my best most informed opinion and it's okay for that to possibly be incorrect and i would never have talked about something like this because you know it's it it, it could ruffle it can ruffle people's feathers but i'm free i'm more than happy for people to disagree with me and and give me a different opinion
0: like what you're hearing ready to supercharge your scientific career discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness learn the importance of meeting your human needs identifying and unlocking your charisma factors discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download.
2: So let me address that part about feather ruffling. Um, Because for some of you, you're disturbed that there's inaccurate information out there, so it's bothering you so one solution is for you to have a voice and and correct the record to the extent that you can but that can lead to a different kind of stress because now you can get into get into conflict with people and if you know if you're spending all your time on facebook having flame wars with somebody that is absolutely certain that little green men are controlling us you know that you could waste a lot of energy and a lot of effort on that and and it it doesn't give you that freedom that having a voice has. All it does is drag you down into a morass. So you you really have to pay attention to what's happening in any given moment. If you're communicating, if it feels good, if it feels freeing, by all means, continue it. If it feels like it's starting to hurt you, then you gotta take a step back and say, okay, do I really need to be doing this? Now, now obviously there are going to be settings where you're, you're required to, I, you know, you've done your experiments and you're required to do a presentation and it's not going to be fun because you got, you got results that people weren't expecting and now you're getting pushback. Well, that's, that may be part of the job. You know, that's, that's a little different story. But there, hopefully you've got an environment of people that are also scientifically minded and will hear like, well, here, here are the results we got, here are the conclusions that we're drawing and why we're drawing those conclusions. If you are pristine about, about, your, about your science and then about your communication about your science, you're gonna find you'll have less pressure. And sometimes we get frustrated, like you just, people, why can't they just see it? Here's the data, look at it, it's so obvious. Well, you gotta remember that everybody isn't as smart as you. <laughs> And I, I know this can sound it can sound arrogant, but it isn't. It isn't about being arrogant. You can be humble and recognize that you have innate abilities that perhaps most people don't. And you got to get the peace of that. You got to be okay with that. You know, I'm I'm often the smartest person in the room. If that's the case for you, if that's the case for you, don't be proud about that. Realize well, then I got to be helpful. I have to. I can't expect everybody to rise to my level. I have to help them along. So, you know, it's like if you're if you're a third grade teacher, you're the smartest person in the room. You know, you got a bunch of eight-year-olds there. You're gonna know more than them. There's no question about it. Well, are you gonna expect them to be you? That, that would be unfair. That wouldn't get you anywhere. And that would create stress for you. Whereas if you can say, look, they are where they are. Well, what? how can I present this so that they can grasp it? And sometimes, it's you you have that problem because you're presenting to people who just don't have expertise they're not stupid they're not inexperienced they just don't have the expertise. Other times you're dealing with people that they they really don't have uh the, the you know the i q and so you've got to present it differently so so take a look at your audience and then there are some audiences you just shouldn't engage with because it if all it's going to do is turn into arguments you know who who has time for that we, we, we have lives to live. So, you know, don't, don't find yourself sucked down into that kind of problem. So let's, uh, let's look at a next scenario. You're being called on. You, you know, you didn't ask to be called on, but you're being called on. So all of a sudden you're there and somebody says, hey, Sally's a scientist, what do you think? And you're, <laughs> what, now what? What do you do with that, Nick?
1: Well, then that's where you've got to You've got to absolutely qualify what you're saying by, you know, um, according to, you know, what what are you? You're a biologist and they're asking you about astrophysics or something or, you know, mm-hmm. or like I, I used to, uh, my sister used to have a boyfriend who, when I was doing my PhD um, on slime molds, would hang on to my every word about medical conditions that you thought you might have. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was just quite crazy. And um yeah you've got to say it, you've got to, and and it's really I, I i at that time i got quite you know i th- probably thought i knew more than i did than i did and i would say yeah well this is how this works and this uh, you know and probably i overstepped my uh, or i how would i say it i probably knew more about these things than he did but i didn't mm-hmm. define the fact that uh that I, you know, this is what I know. You know, this is you know, this is not my area of expertise. This is just my opinion based on what I know. You should talk to someone else who is um, more qualified than I am if you're really worried about this thing, and um, you know, and so on, so that it's actually, we're actually, I've actually positioned the, the the advice or the knowledge that I've given.
2: Yeah, you just said something really important there. Just because somebody puts you on the hook doesn't mean you have to stay there you can let yourself off the hook and you and you do it with humility you know i'm actually not an expert on that um so you just you you can you can take the charge out of the room you know without having to well now i have to opine about something that i'm a little fuzzy on (laughs) so there's another interesting thing i and i have a different perspective because i'm not a scientist i am a computer scientist and, and, and it causes the same problems for me in different areas that, that happens to you folks. So for instance, uh, you know, I, I stepped out of university in 1979. There was a Burroughs 9,000, 9000 mainframe there. That was the only computer I had ever touched other than a little Hewlett Packard thing that had a one line screen. <laughs> um, it, the world's changed a bit since then but people still come to me like hey do you know how to fix my computer it's like well no i'm not a hardware engineer i did software oh do you know windows well actually no i don't actually know windows i i work on Macs. and you know there's this whole realm of stuff yeah i probably know more than you do but i don't know i don't know it inside and out and i don't claim to so you know i'm not going to be putting in your 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 new hard drive for you and i'm i'm not going to be trying to to configure your 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 windows i because that's not something i know how to do and and i'm not afraid to say i don't know that (laughs) and not just because i don't want to be fixing your stuff you know but uh if i know i'm happy to help but you you can look at it the same way in in your realm you know what you know and you know what you don't know so feel free about that you know, there's, a, there, there's an adage out there. We'd say the older I get, the more I realize how little I know. And, and I think that, I mean, that sounds interesting. It's true and it's funny. But I think a more accurate way to put it is that the older I get, the more knowledge I realize is available. So, and, and as a scientist, that's your job is to uncover that stuff. And the more you realize there's more out there, the better it is. So you're not looking stupid when you say something like that. You're not even looking ignorant. You're looking wise to say, "I don't know."
1: Yeah, and that can be difficult in a situation. You know, again, this uh, the COVID scenario has been really instructive, uh, or or really illuminating in in how all this works. And you know, when you've seen people, scientists, under pressure to provide answers, and they give the best answers that they have available but it's completely not qualified mostly because you're hearing it through the media but also because a lot of the you know in the clamor for for some uh for results and or for for the clamor for information about the, the virus and so on um a lot of the kind of the traditional processes broke down peer review well it didn't break down they were just kind of they didn't have time to uh right. to enact them so so we were working people were you know, newspapers are reporting on preprints that haven't been peer-reviewed and a person's opinion on the situation was reported as fact. And that, that just, that was like, a, it was almost like a caricature of science, what happened there in the, in the leading edge of what was being communicated to, to the public was really so unrefined science and it was being, pre- um, it was being presented as scientific fact. Right. And poli- and heavily politicized as well, of course. Mm-hmm.
2: So this brings up that that next scenario of what do you do when the time has come for you to change your position. You said this, but now new data has come in, and you realize, nope, we got to actually do the opposite of that or think the opposite of that. How do you deal with that situation? So,
1: so it's so. I mean, again, this podcast is all about creating peace for yourself as a scientist, right? Mm-hmm. So that so that you you know, side, sidestepping a lot of these pressures so that you just do your job and you enjoy it and you do it to the best of your abilities. And so as a scientist, from my training, you know, or how I interpreted my training as a scientist and my early experience as a scientist, if I got it wrong, that's a bad thing. And I did something wrong and I should feel bad about it and maybe even try and disprove or uh, deflect or, or, or do something about that. But actually, if you are sitting properly in the position of a scientist, that all you're doing is you're presenting your best opinion based on the facts. Your job is to ask the next quite the question and see what the answer is. Then you can, if somebody else asks the question and the answer is different than um, to what you expected or what you said or or predicted, it's absolutely fine. It's all part of the job, and th- there's a distinction between that and not knowing you know not not knowing how would you say this there's a fine line distinction between um creating an opinion based on uh you know the best available facts and and your knowledge of the area and so on and that being it's okay for that to be incorrect and the uh, there's a fine line between that and not doing enough homework so not informing yourself enough so you can you you know, the classic would be you're doing your, you're defending your thesis and you set forward, uh, you know, an idea, but you didn't do enough. You know, you, you missed a set of papers that were really important. And so you didn't arm yourself with the knowledge. But even, and, and classically, that's a really bad thing because, well, you didn't do enough reading and so on. And in a way it is, but in a way, that's just the learning process as well. Sure. You know, nobody says you've got to be perfect. Well, maybe your thesis committee says you do, but, <laughs> um, but in real life as a scientist, you're, you're not perfect. Oh, your job is to do, to give it your best and not stress about, man, maybe I haven't read every single paper that's available. It's just to, it's, it's to be committed for the right reason and not for the stressful reason of, I don't want to ever be proven wrong.
2: And, and chances are, most of the time, if you're changing your position, it isn't because you did something wrong the first time. It's not that you, hey, I, I completely messed up the experiment and got bad data and that's what I reported. No, that's probably not what happened. You had limited data, you reported that, and now you have more data and, you, and it requires a change in position, so you change. Now, in those, in those rare moments where you, you know, I mean, it's not imperfect to have, to have limited data. It is imperfect if you have bad data that, <laughs> that's your fault. You know, it's bad data because I did it poorly. But you know, honestly, that doesn't happen that often. You don't usually have that scenario. Your scenario is much more likely that I have limited data. It's good data, but it's limited. Well, okay, it, you know, hone your craft, become good at what you do, that's part of it. You know, that's one of the things. If you want to be happy as a scientist, get good at it. If you're bad at it, you're going to be unhappy.
1: <laughs> See, uh, this is this is another thing where, um, oh, I've, I've experienced situations where I've had bad data because I wasn't doing it correctly. <laughs> and again, it it's happen. just one of those situations that the the, the the, and again, depending on your, you know, your outlook on life and who's around you and so on, that can be a reason to just be down on yourself about, I'm not doing this experiment properly, I can't get this thing to work. Um, it, it's, that that's, but I think that the, the, you know, the peaceful position is to go back to, well, this is the, you know, part of my job. Part of my job is to learn this technique mm-hmm. so that I can ask the questions properly to make sure that I am including all of the, the scientifically relevant um, safety nets that make sure that if I get data from this technique, then I know whether it's good or bad. You know, I, I'm doing the controls. It's reproducible. The experiment's designed properly. You can go back to those fundamentals with just care, taking care and um, and taking responsibility for the work you're doing. And you can also get help with setting. You know, to, you know, find with a mentor to help to set those things up correctly. And then when you're executing the experiments, you make sure you you make sure you listen to what that experiment is saying to you you know and and um and don't just oh well that band appeared so yes okay that's the answer I was looking for let's move on you make sure that it is absolutely pristine and then so you accept that again that's another part of moving away from the pressure from results another benefit of moving away from the pressure for results and it's not that you don't need results it's that if you are it's, it's a change in focus, a shift on focus from I need to get this band on a gel because that's what I need for my results section to my job is to do this experiment with as much care, attention and uh, commitment as possible and to really listen to what it tells me and then move forward when I am convinced that that correctly set up experiment is telling telling you know it's telling me something. When I'm confident what it's telling me, then I will move forward. And if it turns out that that was wrong, then I can take a step back and examine why it was wrong. But but at the bet, you know, at the time of accepting the result of that experiment, to my the best of my scientific ability, did I think that this was the correct answer? Yes. So that's fine. That that as an, as a scientist, you've done your job. That's completely different from chasing the result and bashing through an experiment, skimping on the controls, skimping on the design, getting what you think was the right band, zooming in on it, saying, that's cool, we'll take that on to the next experiment, which sounds like terrible, but I, I've seen a lot of scientists who who do that or who've done that in my, um, in my circles previously. So, and it's a stressful life and it's not really science. And, and, right.
2: Well, young Padawans... The master is speaking. Listen, <laughs> and you know, the, for specifics on this kind of thing, the specific mentoring about about technique and about about process, and then about how to how to um, assess results. There's a lot of things on bite-sized bio that'll, you know, content that's there that's explicitly about what it is you're doing in in, in any any given area. There's there's so much information there, and that if you don't have a living breathing mentor in front of you you have a resource like bite Size bio that can help you with that and so by all means do that
1: so i would i would i would qualify that this um (laughs) before people go up and look up my publication record and so on (laughs) (laughs) i i don't claim to have been a a master in the lab but what i have had is i've had a lot of uh, varying experience in the lab and then in doing Bite sized Bio, a, a kind of unique position to reflect a lot on what went right for me in the lab, what went wrong and why that happened and what was happening for other people and why that happened. And so that's where I'm coming from here. It's kind of that if you can't do, teach.
2: <laughs> and that's why there's, there's hundreds of writers on Bite sized Bio, the, you know, because they all have different areas of expertise. But these are, for the most part, phd scientists who are speaking about what they know from experience in the lab so they even if nick isn't an expert on a particular topic he's found somebody that is and is has them presenting for you so it really the the idea of becoming a master is really uh, is a great one there's a great deal of satisfaction in gaining mastery in any area and i don't whether it's in your science at work or whether it's being a snowboarder, or, or, or painting watercolors or whatever it is you want to do with yourself. You, you have this, you have this literally this great laboratory <laughs> of, of yourself in a place to get mastery at, in your work. And, but you can play that out in your whole life and whether you become a master there, you can also become a master in the kitchen. You can also become a master with your kids. You can also become a master in your neighborhood, in your community. There's, there's, there's. It's a, once you grasp that, it's applicable across your whole life. So that's that's what we're standing for here today. So I I feel like we could go on and talk about this for another hour, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap it up.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, that that there's a you know you're talking about mastery, and really this is what we're talking about. It's kind of peaceful mastery of the of being. A, of the the position of being a scientist and and how do you do that and and i, I just think that the, the the last you know you've got lots of ways of looking at things ken the last two have been something more about what i've you know a view that i would take that towards that central goal of becoming more peaceful becoming more effective as a scientist and it's, it's interesting that both of those are about stepping back from what you're in. For me, anyway, it's about stepping back from what you, the initial perception of what it meant to be a scientist, and stepping back into something more peaceful. That that's a get a little bit against the flow, again, going from looking for results to asking questions, going from try of feeling the pressure to stand in knowledge, back to the um, the position of all I can give is my perspective and make sure that my perspective is as good as possible. And both of those things, to me, are straight away more peaceful and, uh, and free up from a lot of the garbage that surrounds chasing results and having to be right all the time.
2: <laughs> Love it. Well, I'd say that's a wrap for this topic. So, Nick, you, I know you have the wrap-up speech, so go for it.
1: <laughs> well, so I would just say that uh, if you uh, – thanks again for listening. I hope that was useful. I feel like that was a bit more uh, riffing from me uh, than than it is normally <laughs> so let's see how that way that that feels uh, if you've enjoyed that again as I said at the beginning please go back to episodes one to nine of the podcast where Ken gives some really lays down some great stuff that has helped me in in uh, progressing to uh, working more effectively and understanding things more which is these foundational principles of human needs core mindsets and charisma factors again you get those in episodes one to nine of this podcast uh, other things you can do to, um, to follow us or to um, interact more with us is to go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Happy Scientist Club. If you join up there, we will have some different ways of looking at all of this stuff and different ways to dis- different discussions and, and so on that will help you dive deeper into this if you think it's something that's worth pursuing. So again, thank you from me for, for you guys listening. And Ken, thanks again for another great episode.
2: Thank you.
0: We'll see you all next time. The Happy Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio, your mentor in the lab. Bite Size Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of PhD scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the Bite Size Bio community. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.